Hello, and welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth weekly podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and his purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit AntiochFortWorth.com. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon from lead pastor Jamie Miller. If you want to go ahead and open up a Bible to Ephesians 1, that would be awesome. And while we're kind of Kind of, uh, just while you're doing that, I just want to, just one quick testimony about Life Group. I heard, you know, we get these testimonies that come in to the office and stuff, and, and heard, I, I read one this past week was uh, somebody got really set free from something that had been burdening them for a long time, and that kind of stuff happens week after week after week. I know in our own Life Group, I just went, I had kind of medium expectation. You know, sometimes you go and it's like really high, and sometimes you go and it's kind of low. I was like medium. And, um, but I just got met, bombarded with the love of God in our life group. And I think we were all just like, whoa, God, just boom. And that happens so much. And just want to encourage you, this really is the heartbeat of Antioch. It's, it's, and that's who we're going to be, the house to house. And then this is kind of the temple courts, if you can imagine that. But that's Acts 2. That's our vision. That's what we're trying to do. So here's another thing before we jump into this. We have been on a chair journey with God. And, uh, you know, our chairs, are, they're coming. Right now, they are still in the uh, twilight zone, Bermuda Triangle of the pandemic supply chain. And, uh, but they're coming. So in the meantime, we have more churches in Fort Worth that are giving us chairs. And <laughs> this is an exciting part of just being the church in Fort Worth together. So y'all give it up for the Potter's House, Fort Worth. And yes. And Doxology Bible Church. Thank you guys. Thank you guys. We bless you in the name of Jesus. It's a joy being the church in Fort Worth together. Isn't that awesome? Just put all that theology in a big mix and just follow Jesus. There you go. <laughs> oh man, I'm, I'm pumped up about this message. I, I, yes. You guys know I love Ephesians, and it is, I, I believe it's one of the mountain peaks of the Bible for sure, and I was even reflecting, I just, uh, this phrase went through my head. Paul actually said to the, the Ephesian elders, I've not withheld, you know, this good news from you, and uh, I've, from house to house and publicly, and I feel that way about Ephesians. I haven't withheld it, I'm not going to withhold it now. And it's just, it's, it's fascinating. It's beautiful. I love it. And I've got good news for you today. It's good news. It really is. In fact, we've often talked, Yancey and I, about doing an Ephesians tract. So just, just imagine, we haven't actually totally written it all down, but it would be something like this. Let me give you a gospel tract here. And it would say something like this. God loves you and he has a wonderful plan for your life. This would be from Ephesians, right? He loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. You're chosen, you're loved, you're adopted, you're forgiven, and you've freely been given grace from the Father, every spiritual blessing in Christ. Can you imagine getting a track like that? Like, whoa, that's good news. Even though you were dead in your sins, just totally blinded and dead, walking in sin, God, who's rich in love and mercy, made you alive in Christ. It's the grace of God. No one could have done this. It's a God work. And it's going to take coming ages for you to understand the kindness of his grace that's been expressed to us in Christ Jesus. Really good news. So he's not done there. He actually has a plan for you, a work that he wants all of us to do. We got good works that we're supposed to be doing. 
But check it out. It's not just about you and your personal salvation. It's about one big worldwide family together in Christ. Isn't that great? It's about all of us. It's about a people together, one new humanity. The wall is down. It's incredible. No one could have imagined what was coming. No one. In fact, you read the Old Testament, no one did imagine that God was actually going to come and live in us and us in God. That kind of radical intimacy and the implications for us together. I'm preaching a little bit, but just still imagine I'm giving you a track. You know, so it's radical. He's done it. And so now we live this thing out together. In fact, God's wisdom is seen and demonstrated to the world and to the heavenlies when we do live this out together. That's his plan. That's his eternal purpose in Christ Jesus. And we live then to express God, who God is and what God's doing in and through us. So live in right relationships with everyone because you share life with everyone. We share the common life of Jesus Christ together. And remember, you're in a battle, but it's not with other people. It's with the spiritual forces of of evil in the heavenly realms. Live for Jesus. Love like Jesus. And so the end of this tract is put your faith in Jesus and live for him. You ready to do that? Uh, Be baptized. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. We're going to have baptisms next Sunday. If you haven't been baptized, be baptized and follow Jesus. And his plan ultimately, now I'm kind of finishing up the tract here, but his plan, isn't that fun? Wouldn't you like to get a track like that? That's a lot of good news. That's the good news in Ephesians. Thank you, Yancey. But his plan is to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under the headship of Jesus Christ. That's what we're going to read about today. And so I'm calling this message, Unity to All Things Under Christ. Can you imagine that, how mind-blowing that is in our world right now to imagine unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ? Let's hold on to that whole picture as much as we can. We're going to be going through different sections of the, of the, the letter, but, but let's hold on to that picture. It's a whole. It's not just the passage we're looking at today. It's the whole. It goes on. It's the cross. It's the redemption. It's the reconciliation. It's the unity that God's going for. It's the living it out. It's the living worthy of the life and the calling that God's given us. That's the balance between this incredible revelation is to live, chapter four, five, six, to live this thing out. It's beautiful. It's rich. If I had five pages that I could take with me on a desert island, it would be probably Ephesians. That's how I feel about it. Somebody say amen. You know? you know, so it's one big, giant invitation to jump into Ephesians. In fact, I think one thing's going to help us to get the word down deeper in us. Could I just challenge everybody lovingly with grace to read Ephesians one time every week during the, I think we've got eight or nine weeks of this series. Just read, it, read through Ephesians one time. You won't get to the end of it and it won't get boring. I mean, I'm, I'm 30 years into it. It's not boring to me. I just keep stepping through the door and there's another magnificent vista of a mountain range of possibilities in God's presence. It's, that's the way it is, looking at this letter. So we're talking about one new humanity. That's kind of the, fil- that's the lens that we're looking at. That's, those are the glasses that we're putting on for this series. Think one new humanity when you read 
Ephesians. There's lots of different ways of reading it, but think about that, that truth. There's one new humanity in Christ because of the cross. That's in the atonement. That's what Jesus has done for us, is to bring about one new humanity. And, um, and that's our desire as a church. We want to be that meal gemerkmik church, right? The multi-ethnic, epicenter, life-giving, multiplying, reproducing, Christ-manifesting, Father's Love Receiving, Holy Spirit Empowered Church. So we want to be that. And so we want to take time. We're just saying, as a, as a team of, uh, that's working on the sermons and stuff, we want to take some time once a year to, to focus in on unity and reconciliation because it's so much at the heart of the New Testament. It's so much at the heart of the story of God. It's so much the heart of what God is doing on planet Earth that we want to train the church so that we can live this thing out in a way, in a, in a world that's so hungry, desperate even, to see this. The world needs to see what God has actually done and doing in us and through us. But we got to live it out. We've got to walk this thing out. So, uh, you know, a while back we did Galatians 1, the, the people of God, and very practical. It's, it's practical stuff that, 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 that there's one table. There's not two tables for different ethnicities. And, and Paul says, if you say there's two tables, that's another gospel. So it's a big, gigantic, huge deal. Same thing in Ephesians. There's one new humanity, not two. And I'm going to touch on some of this stuff today, but it's, I think it's relevant. It's right now. Unity to all things under, under Christ. And uh, I'm going to highlight a few things in the passage. And uh, just as we're getting going here, um, it, it's all connected. It's all important, the whole flow of the letter. Paul's writing from prison where he wrote probably Colossians, Philippians, Philemon. There's a lot of similarities between Ephesians and Colossians. You see some of these same themes being pulled together. They're both so rich and good, though. And, and uh, Jim Reynolds did a sermon a while back. I would refer you to this sermon. It's called The Jailhouse Church. And he talks about the people that were actually together living church life in the jail, six Gentiles, three other Jews besides Paul, all living together. And some of them had been very fractured in their relationship. Paul and Mark was there with them. He ends up writing the gospel of Mark. But you remember Paul and Mark had a great falling out. And yet here they were in this jail context being reconciled walking in love and unity together. And it's out of, I mean, three of the guys that were there, Paul, Luke, and Mark, end up writing about 146 of the 246 chapters of the New Testament. So it's all flowing out of this context of unity in the midst of diversity, oneness in the midst of distinction and all the beautiful individuals that are there. So Ephesians chapter one, can we just stand up together for the reading of God's word, please? This is Ephesians one, verses one through 14. And, and when we finish, I'll say, this is the word of God. And you say, thanks be to God, right? Yeah, Father, bless the reading of your word. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. To God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who's blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. 
For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he's freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything, according to the purpose and in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, yes, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You guys have a seat. Amen. You know, we, we learned that standing up thing from Pleasant Mount Gilead Missionary Baptist Church going over there. I didn't know. They stand up when they read the word of God. Like, isn't that great? It's rich. Makes you honor this, the scriptures. So it's a plan that, that this plan to unite all things, it's a plan that sweeps well, I mean, what we're going to see here in a minute is that it's a plan that started before creation, and then it sweeps across creation and time and to the end of time, to the wrapping up, the summing up of all things under the headship of Christ and God being all in all, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, and we get to be a part of this. We get to be a part of this. And it's just such massive good news. I was getting some encouragement this past week at Life Group and someone was just saying something about just being in, in the game for the long haul just in, and staying going. And I, and I just realized, I was praying this passage the other day and I realized, well, this is part of it. This is part of the reason I'm in. I, I've just been wrecked that it's for me to preach to the nations, to us the unsearchable riches, the boundless riches of Christ, and to see how this is all gets worked out in and through the church. It's God's beautiful, eternal plan. I thought, man, I always want to be involved in that. I want to be connected to that all the days of my life. So here's a few thoughts on this passage. And the first one is this. We're talking about the plan and the grace of God, the plan of God and the grace of God. And the plan and the grace, first of all, is centered in God and his love. Okay, so it starts with God. Doesn't start with us. The good news doesn't start with us. <laughs> Contrary to popular opinion, and in many tracks, that's why we need to write other tracks, is the, the, the good news actually starts in the heart of God. That's good news. So, so verses four, five, and six, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world. We get, we're getting an insight into before Genesis, before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. And it wasn't a bummer in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he's freely given us 
in the one he loves. That is good news, and it starts in God. And so that's why we just, we're talking about Jesus every week because Jesus is God's revelation of himself to the world. Like, you, you, everything's through Jesus. It's, it's all about him. Jesus Christ, the Son of God. To say that is to say Father's Son and Holy Spirit, to say the Trinity, to say the relational God of love. That's, that's how we say that a lot around here, the relational God of love, that God's very being is in communion, is in community, that God is persons at the core, that uh, the, the deepest thing that we can say that we know through the revelation of Jesus Christ is that God is persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in an eternal love relationship. God is love. God is love. John says it in his gospel. He says it in his letters. God is love. And love always implies communion. You know, I can't be love and not have some objects uh, of my affections. You know, so God is love from all eternity. That's what we know from all eternity. God is love. Uh, hit that uh, John 17, verse 5. There's a couple other places, you know, where Jesus specifically says this. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the creation of the world. Again, this is a before creation thing. And then John 17, 24. Father, I want those that you have given me to be with me where I am. And to see my glory, the glory that you've given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. So the greatest example of love ever is the Father's love for the Son in the communion of the Holy Spirit. And the Son's love for the Father in the communion of the Holy Spirit. And that that mind-bogglingly is shared with us by the Holy Spirit. We get in on this deal. Jesus comes and makes it real for us in our humanity. I'm going to talk about that in just a second. But this kind of love is marked by joy. It, it's not frumpy. Like, you can't live in this love and just be grouchy all the time. It, it just won't work. I mean, look, he says it's his pleasure. There in Ephesians, it's his pleasure for this overflowing love to ignite a plan for creation to bring us into it and to enjoy it. It's his pleasure. He's freely given this grace. It's, he's lavished it on us. It's his Does that make sense? Like it's his joy, love and joy, they kind of go together. Like if there's no joy, there's probably not love. So Lord, let us just, we need a revelation in our own hearts of how much you really love us. And that might be something that somebody gets prayer for today, a breakthrough in understanding this. You know, we're like little children. We need, we need this, this word. We need, uh, uh, we, had, we kept Harper and Liv on Friday night. We're going to get back to doing that with a little more regular. That was so fun. It was the best overnight ever. They're, they're talking more. They got more words, you know, and they're just filled with joy, you know, and, and they love you. They, they hold on to you. It's usually like four or five second bursts. It's not, they're easily distracted, you know, and like on to the next thing, but it's just, wow. You know, I was watching them and we were in the backyard. Kim and I were sitting on the swing watching them and somehow we'd got, they'd gotten going on this, uh, taking leaves and sticks to the trash can and they'd bring it over and they'd show it to us, trash, and run over and take it to the trash can. 
And I, even this morning, I was thinking, what a picture of us as little children. Like, there's actually stuff we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be working with joy and presenting it to the Father and doing our thing, you know? And I thought, man, Father, you've hidden this from the wise and learned, but revealed it to little children, your love and your joy in our hearts. Come on. So the second piece then of this plan and the grace is for adoption through Jesus Christ. Again, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. And think, don't just think men. I'll say something about that. Adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he's freely given us in the one he loves. God's plan is for us to be included in that love. He wants everyone included in that love. And that he wants everyone to know that he is our father and that he's adopted us. And so sonship, you guys, isn't just about men. Ladies, that's, that's your cue. It's about sons and daughters. And um, you know, one of the keys here is to think incarnation. The incarnation is woefully under-communicated in the body of Christ. And if we would think about the incarnation more, we would get past maybe some of the, the hurdles of looking down on other people and thinking I'm over them or I'm higher than them because of my socioeconomic or my gender or my, uh, my race or my ethnicity, those kinds of things. And uh, so there's one mediator there's one mediator, Jesus Christ, between God and men. And he represents God to humanity, and he represents humanity to God. Paul says it in 1 Timothy chapter uh, 2, verse 5. There's one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus. And so let me just hit on the incarnation here a bit, and I'm going to quote uh, just a little bit from a theologian that has really helped me think about this a lot, J.B. Torrance, James Torrance. And um, in this particular quote that I'm about to read, he's actually talking about men-women relationships. And I think that might be a good way, maybe easier on-ramp for understanding how fully Jesus assumes our humanity in becoming flesh. Now, it's not just, it, it's not just males that get assumed, right? Because he's a male. Come on. And, and it's not just Jews. And it's not just Middle Eastern people, right? So hopefully that'll, that setup will help you understand this quote. Because he says, the thing he's touching on is when you hear a cry for justice in the world, whether it's from women or from somebody that's pushed down and, and been oppressed, when there's a cry for justice, the answer the church needs to have for that and that will help us all to see is the incarnation of Jesus Christ. Is that he assumes our humanity in becoming flesh. Not just part of it, not just some of it. He assumes humanity. And so here we go. This is J.B. Torrance. But this portrays an inadequate, talking about the oppression of women, an inadequate understanding of the incarnation the Son of God, in assuming our humanity, became a man, not to sanctify maleness, but our common humanity, so that be we men or women, 
We can see the dignity and beauty of our humanity sanctified in him. To hold out Jesus Christ to the world is not only to hold out personal salvation and eternal life in evangelism, but it is also to give all people their humanity. I'm telling you, I've been on this quote for about three weeks, and it's like poetry to me, reading it over and over and over. Whatever else the incarnation means, it is that all people and all races, Jew or Gentile, black or white, male or female, are meant to see their humanity assumed by Christ, sanctified by his life in the spirit of unbroken communion with the Father by his death and resurrection, offered to the Father without spot or wrinkle, and given back to them in the mission of the church. There should be no difference between evangelism and humanization in the church's witness to Jesus Christ. Women are meant to find in Christ and receive from the church the full dignity and beauty of their humanity equally with men. But don't, we, we don't stop there. It's not just women and men. It's black and white. It's, it's so like Jesus didn't come just to assume maleness and sanctify maleness. He didn't come to, or Middle Easternness or Europeanness or Asianness or Australianness, or Africanness, I'm jumping around the world, or South Americanness. He came to assume our humanity. The way Irenaeus in the second century said it, what is not assumed is not redeemed. He came to redeem us, all of us, our whole being. And so he assumes our humanity. He becomes the mediator between God and, and humanity in the incarnation all the different ethnicities brought together as family, one new humanity. And the implication of this is that we're family with God, but also with each other and with all of our brothers and sisters around the world. And that this good news really is for the whole world. It's for everybody. And I mean, that... That's big stuff. And that, that passage has, you know, there's a lot of scrutiny. There's a lot of even division about it. But God, in assuming our humanity, he's for everybody. Now, can you stand and shake your fist at God? He, because he gives us dignity, the dignity of love, it, it seems to be possible that you can stand and shake your fist at God. But what he wants is for you to embrace what he's done for you in Jesus Christ. And that's the good news of what God has done for us through Jesus. And so then against that backdrop, the before creation backdrop of what God was doing and wanting to do, then the plan and the grace is, is uh, seen in the story of God. Then it helps you have a new lens for understanding God's story, for understanding Genesis, that he made us in his image and in his, to have his authority and to have his life, and to multiply that life on the earth. But Adam and Eve, they fall in the garden. And, and, and there's life that's lost in that whole process, but God doesn't stop. We, we sang about the love of God. I was, like Several songs this morning were like in this flow of what I'm talking about. God doesn't stop. He keeps pursuing us, and he pursues us, and he's after us. And so he comes to this guy named Abram, and he makes a covenant. And I'm going to bless all the nations of the earth through you. 
And, you know, no matter what Abram does, God's got this plan going. It's a covenant. And then he makes a covenant with Israel. And he marks them off as a separate people from all the other peoples of the world. But he says, through you, I'm going to bless all the Gentiles. All the, you're going to be a light for the nations. But they blow it. But God keeps moving forward with his covenant because he's faithful to his covenant promises. He's a covenant-keeping God. And so then he comes to David, and David blows it. We know different ways David blows it, but he wants to build a house for God. And so God comes to him through the prophet Nathan, and he says, you know, it's not going to be you that's doing it, but you're going to have a son, and he's going to build a house for me. And it kind of happens in the natural with Solomon but he's actually prophesying about Jesus coming and you're gonna have a son who's gonna be on your throne and it's gonna be a kingdom that will never, ever end. He's a covenant-keeping God. He keeps his promise, even though Israel blows it, David blows it. And so he comes then with a covenant of grace through Jesus Christ, who is our Lord. And he keeps his covenant with us. He's faithful. And I'm saying that covenant word because God is a covenant God, not a contract God. You know, a contract, it's easy to imagine in marriage. You know, there's a lot of if statements in scripture, but they're descriptive, they're prescriptive. They're, it's, it's like, you know, if you blow it and do stupid stuff, it's gonna hurt you. It's gonna hurt your relationship, but I'm for you. And my love is so great, I don't want anything to separate that. But, you know, we can do dumb stuff, sin, that hurts us. But God is a covenant-keeping God. In the coming of Jesus Christ, he's forming one new people in his body. And I just, we have to get the truth of this because we live in the now and the not yet. We have to hear the truth of what is in order to live in it. Making you guys think. So the, the plan and the grace is experienced finally then through faith. Like we, uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit, so God planned this in his counsel before creation. Jesus Christ comes and executes it 2,000 years ago and pours out his spirit. And now we experience this truth by the power of the Holy Spirit and believing into what we have Uh, what we're called to do, what we're called to be, to walk this thing out as brothers and sisters, as family, as one worldwide family together in God. And uh, it's not always easy. There's suffering along the way. There's hardships along the way. There's trials. So it's good as I'm trying to preach it like it's really good news. It is, but there's hard things. Because there's the, a cross that's promised us and laying down our lives in order for others to see how good God really is and to live this thing out then. Live worthy. Chapter four, verse one. Live worthy of the calling that you've received. And so this will, living by faith in this way, it will shape, it will shape the way we live our lives. Personally, I'm shaped by this by this message, by the message of Ephesians. I'm shaped by knowing that I'm chosen. 
to be holy and blameless, that I'm adopted into the family of God. This, this is God's purpose for me. That shapes me. It shapes how I, how I walk out of sin and, and get out of brokenness in my own life. It shapes me knowing that I'm sharing a co-participant with you guys in the life that is found in Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. That shapes me profoundly. It shapes our family. It shaped the way our family loves because we've been brought into the love of God and now we share that as a family. But it didn't stop there. It, it, that love shapes us as a church family and we learn to love one another and we don't do it perfectly. It's okay, but we're in process. We're growing. Like there's a goal that God's going for ultimately, but the weird thing is this bride that he's going for is actually the getting ready process too. Living in the church life, being, being able to, uh, it's like I said, I think I said this earlier, but it, it's, we view ourselves in a certain way and we know that we blow it and we repent and we, try, we say, Lord, change my heart, renew my mind, and then God gives grace and we experience that grace. But one of the things God's calling us to in the church is to give that same grace to other people, to, to love other people in the same way because they're blowing it too and not just leave and I'm out of here. And again, guys, we've all been hurt. Everybody's been hurt. And, and that's part of being a human. And, and it's definitely a part of living life together in the church. But what a, this vision is bigger than that. And it's gonna keep me coming back it's going to keep me just trusting in God's plan that I've been adopted into the family and you've been adopted into the family. And so we're in this family together. So it affects, it shapes the way I live, my relationships and repenting and forgiving, called to forgive again and again. How many times should I forgive that person? One more time. One more time. Just always. One more time. How much, how much do you think you've been forgiven? I mean, that's the exact, I mean, that is the exact thing. And we're, so when Jesus tells in John 20, he says, says, now go, who you forgive will be forgiven. The point isn't you start judging who needs forgiveness and not. He's reminding them that you are the door that releases forgiveness or you're the door that shuts it on people. Just, just huge, Lord, help us. And we do this by faith. And I'm not, we just say, Lord, I'm not giving up. I'm not quitting. I'm not backing down. Except Tom Petty was in my head. <laughs> Lord, help me stay in the spirit. <laughs> Maybe there's something there for somebody. The world, just around the world, there are brothers and sisters, and it looks so different than what we've experienced here. It, just all different kinds, of, but the same Lord. You know, high church, robes, low church, house church, church in the jungle, church hidden, church underground. You know, just all oh, different languages. We couldn't understand, you know, Yesu and, and hallelujah and amen. You, those are the same around the world. Jesus but unity is what he's going for. And it is a now and not yet thing, but you can know that God's plan, when it says to be put into effect, that's that word oikonomia, and it's, it means the, the rule of God's house. 
It's where we get the word economy from. It's where we get the word administration and distribution. So God is working his economy. God's economy is to bring all things and peoples together in heaven and on earth under the headship of Jesus Christ. That's the plan. And so we want to walk in that by the power of the Holy Spirit, and we want to be for the praise of the glory of God. Y'all stand up. Worship team, come on up. Thank you, Lord. I'm just rocked again, just... This makes me just love the Lord more, man. And... uh, yeah, I felt like a couple questions I was supposed to ask today. Just in ministry team, come on up. And uh, just the first question is, where are you? The question that God asked Adam and Eve, where are you? And just think about where you're at right now. Wherever we're at in life, the pandemic, middle of all kinds of things that are going on in the world, where are you? And what do you need to receive out of this word today? What needs to be received in your own world? Do you know you're loved? Do you know you're chosen? Do you know that you're adopted? Do you know that God has pleasure in giving grace to you, lavishing grace upon you? And so if there's any need in those areas, man, we want to get filled up. Lord, change our thinking. Fill up our hearts and lives in this area. It's freely given. And maybe another question might be, what needs to be let go of? You know, maybe it's something, some old ideas about God. I mean, really, I I think even as I'm sharing from Ephesians 1, it could be an idea that God isn't for you. Or that God's trying to get you to, to perform in a certain way. And then, like a contract, then he's gonna love you. But he's a covenant keeping God. He's faithful to his covenant promises. And so his grace is, is actually his pleasure to give. So he loves you. He's, it, again, he's our father. So however much you love your kids, that little picture of me loving on Harper and Liv, I mean, infinitely more love. So yeah, just today, and, and again, everybody has needs that may, I'm not, maybe not even touching on this, but, but let's get prayer. Let's press in together here. And if you're, the front fills up or something, just find somebody to pray with that you came with and let's press into the Lord. And if you need to say yes to this good news about Jesus, man, let today be the day. Let next Sunday be the day you're baptized. Just let's respond to God as the people of God here. Father, we love you. We need you. Would you meet us even as this news is proclaimed in this house that you are good, that you love us, and that you are making things right in our world, but you want to do it in and through us. So Lord, bring, uh, just make things right here. Lord, where we need to respond, give us grace to respond in the name of Jesus. Amen. You guys come, get prayer, press into the Lord. Thank you, God.